Today's scripture comes from Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. All right, as we get to dig into, dig into that passage this morning, would you guys join me in prayer first? Dear Father, <clears throat> we ask for your Holy Spirit um, to come in and to, to minister to our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies. Um, may we be affected by your words and may we go out from here changed. Lord, I ask that you would give me your words, and if I say anything that is not from you, Lord, that it be corrected and, and forgotten. Um, we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right. When I was an elementary kid, one of my favorite things to do when I came home from school was to get a snack. Go to the fridge, go to the freezer, go to the snack drawer, grab a snack, and, and eat it because... I was hungry. I hadn't eaten since lunch. That was a long time for a, for a little elementary school kid um, to go between noon and, and about 3.30. Um, or at least I thought I was hungry. Also during elementary school, I also started getting these migraine headaches about once every week or once every two weeks. And these migraines continued in this frequency um, until I was in college when I was forced to really take a look at what was causing these migraines because it's a whole lot harder to deal with migraines when you're in a small dorm room with a roommate than when you're in your own home and you have your own bedroom and your own house to wander around in um, and whatnot. And it turns out one of the main causes for these migraines is my dehydration. I wasn't drinking enough water. And in fact, for most of my life, I had not been drinking enough water. It's not that my body hadn't been telling me that I was thirsty, um, but I always mistook that craving for thirst for water and thinking that I was actually hungry. And so I would eat food instead of drinking water, which actually isn't all that abnormal. Most of us will do that. There's been studies out there showing that most of the, most of the foods that we consume today are engineered to trigger a craving. 
whether that's through high sodium or high sugar, perhaps high fat, and, and definitely through their textures, you know, potato chips, Cheez-Its, crackers, cookies, all those things, they've been designed for us to crave them. But the problem is, one of these problems is that when these cravings are triggered in our bodies, they are actually replacing that craving we naturally have for water. So many of our snack cravings in between meals are actually our bodies telling us they're thirsty, but we've been trained and our body and our, and our, and our brains have been wired to think that they're hungry, not realizing the obvious, oh, we're actually thirsty. We need water now more than we need food. And so as a kid, I thought I was hungry when I came home, but I was actually probably thirsty, hence why I was getting migraines at such a frequency. And then when I was forced to take my health more seriously, I realized how I'd been ignoring what my body actually needed for what I had been conditioned to think I wanted. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've been learning how to pray um, the Lord's Prayer. And, and from both instances in Matthew and Luke that, that the Lord taught the disciples to pray. And in our passage today, which comes in conjunction, it directly follows the Luke Lord's Prayer. Jesus is further teaching his disciples the truth with which he rebuked Satan in the desert. Back in Luke 4.4 and Matthew 4.4, Jesus says to, to Satan, Man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the world has conditioned us to think that we want bread when our need is for the Holy Spirit. And in verse 13 of our passage, God tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit when we ask for him in prayer. And so here's our big idea for today. It's kind of obvious. When should we be praying? Well, we must continually be praying. Because God answers those who come in prayer. Not only that, but he tells us to ask him. Now in verse 13, if you see it up on the screen here, um, we read, Jesus saying, so if you who know who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And in what you see is Jesus setting up a contrast here. And so this is a bit of foreshadowing. I'm telling you the end of what Jesus is saying before he actually says it. So work with me as we work through this passage. Jesus is, is through the story, setting up that contrast of humans. We're not perfect. We get cranky. We get tired. And that can affect our decision-making and our, our ability or our desire to grant requests. But God doesn't. He's not affected by sin. He doesn't have those instances in which he can wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And so if the humans, the ones who can wake up on the wrong side of the bed, will give good gifts, how much more so is our Father going to give good gifts? Namely, the Holy Spirit. All right, let's get into it. So i got a little something I want to bring up. And use for this. If you guys want to take those cards that are at the in the middle of your table and turn them over to the blank side, grab a pen while you're at it. We'll take a few take a few notes and things while we're going. I'm going to bring a whiteboard. I've always wanted to bring a whiteboard up here with me, um, and I'm hoping that this will happen more than once, and that this goes smoothly. Okay. So number one, we must ask. That seems pretty pretty obvious. If you're going to pray, if you need something, then you just need to ask for it. Okay. So if you would write on your cards, just an A, an S, and a K. Ask. Simple enough. 
All right, now look, if you have your Bibles open or, or, or whatnot, you can look with me in verses 5 and 6 on chapter 11 of Luke. Jesus introduces a situation in which there's a need. A guest has just arrived to the house, and the host doesn't have anything to feed him. The need is clear and obvious. Especially in near Eastern context, providing for a guest or a friend that would come to your house was the, of the utmost priority. You dropped everything to feed them. Guests were honored above everything else. And so the host, not having anything, had to ask for help. So the example that Jesus is using here is pointing to the obvious. When we have a need that we need help fulfilling, we need to ask. Easy enough. And he reinforces the asking as the correct response to the situation, verses 9 and 10, when he tells the disciples to ask, and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks will receive. Now notice that ask is just a single word. It, it, is, it is a form of a command. This isn't if you ask, you will receive. It is you need to ask or keep on asking. He is commanding us to ask him. He wants us to ask him. How many people do you, do you know that say, when you're in need, you need to come ask me? Hopefully a lot. We're in church. I'm just saying. But otherwise, that's not all that common. And so for the Lord God, the one who gives the best gifts to say, ask me, I'm commanding you to ask me. That's a wonderful thing. And remember, this is in the context of Jesus teaching the Lord's prayer. So he's saying this in relation to prayer. That line in the Lord's Prayer that we said, it says, Give us our, this day our daily bread and provide for our needs daily. This is what I call the head action. Um, you see a need. You know it's a need you can't provide for yourself, so you ask it. Everything's contained up in the hair, here in the head. And so with your head, you see the need and you ask. Now, this past week, I was going on a trip with Pastor Terry up into Illinois for a couple days, and we were going to take my car um, and for ever since I've had this car, I've had the running light burned out on my car and wanting to, uh, wanting to be cognizant of Terry and, and maybe some of the bad experiences he's had in small rural white towns in, in Illinois. I wanted to make sure my car was perfect. We wouldn't break down. There would be no reason for a cop to pull us over. And so I went and I got my running light finally replaced. And it wasn't a big deal. But for two years, I've been walking past that running light, an obvious need, and I had never done anything about it. A simple five-minute trip to the auto parts store, and they even put it in for me. And where we get in trouble with prayer is when the need is so obvious like that running light. We walk past it over and over and over again, and we see, we know it's a need, but we don't take that moment to just ask which is why jesus reminds us of our daily needs when he says give us this day our daily bread every day we have needs that only god can fulfill huh but wait i have enough money to go to the store and buy food i can get clothing i have shelter i have most of the things that i need right well that's what the world's conditioned us to think to think that we fulfill our own needs through our own provision. We think that we actually need when we think that we actually need food that's engineered to make us crave it when we actually need the living water of God. Every day we need life in our bodies. We need breath in our lungs. 
We need the forgiveness of our sins and we need the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk and follow the example of Christ. These are obvious needs for us. And Jesus tells us to ask God for them because he will give us the Holy Spirit. Ask and you will receive. All right, so we've gotten through ask. Now number two that he talks about is to seek. And so on this E S here, just give a big old seek. Now looking back into verse 5, into that situation Jesus set up, the need is obvious, and the host needs to ask for help, but it's midnight. This is a situation in which nobody would be thinking to ask for help. This is... Um, even though there's a need, no normal person, no person that's, that's abiding by societal conventions is going to go ask for help in the situation. Everybody's in bed already. The doors are shut. The children are, are put down. Nobody is going to be going out and asking. This is a ridiculous request, a ridiculous thing to go do. And here's where the contrast that Jesus has set up comes into play. The friend says no because he's tired. He's already in bed with his children. He's locked up the house for the night. But God is not a human friend. He's divine. He is our all-powerful Savior. He does not get tired. He doesn't go to bed. He doesn't lock up his house for the night. When he receives a prayer, he is always ready, always able, and always willing to ask. Willing to answer, sorry. And in the situations where we wouldn't normally think to ask for help for some reason or another, God is the one that we must seek. I call this the heart engagement. We have the head engagement and the need is obvious, but when it's not so obvious, we engage our heart to help us seek God in situations where we're not quite sure what to do or whether we're not even sure that there is a need. All right. So I've got an exercise for you. On the front of that sheet of paper, there's two lists of three things. And so for the first three things, I'm asking you guys to just read these questions. Go ahead and answer them. They're all here in the sanctuary. should be fairly straightforward. Fairly easy, not too challenging, I'm hoping. Got those first three questions answered. If you're colorblind or don't know what material that is, ask a neighbor. We can help each other. Ah, there's an obvious need. Go ahead and ask. But, um, yeah, great. Okay, so we got the first three items. Now let's go on to the second three items. Now answer these questions.
right, all right. I'll spare you your misery going through this. These questions are a whole lot harder to, a- to answer, yeah? Why? Huh. These first three things were pretty obvious. They stuck out. These second three things are maybe things that you've never thought about. Well, I mean, I would say there's a reason we haven't ever thought about these. One, the carpet. If the carpet was bright pink or like a, or, 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 or a puke green, y'all would know what the color of the carpet is. You wouldn't have to ask. You wouldn't have to think about it. Or um, if there were lights, if one of these bigger lights were burned out, you would know it. You would know that the lights burned out, but it's not, so we don't take notice of it. Lastly, where's the fire extinguisher? Well, we've never had a fire here, so you probably had to look around a bit. Plus, this is a little bit of our fire safety training. There's the fire, the fire poles and the exits there in case there ever is one. Fire extinguisher's back in the corner now that we've covered that. But these needs aren't quite so obvious because, and I think there's one common factor with all of them, everything's going well. We don't not think about them. We don't notice them. They're not as obvious of a need or an, for something us, for us to ask about because it's going well. And these are the situations where we must be especially diligent to seek God. Because these are the times when we don't think to pray, right? You think about many of the, one of our, one of our members here at Christ Church noted that Many of the times when we have a transformative experience or when we are really deeply in prayers when something's going wrong because the need is obvious. And that's good. We should be in prayer during those times, but we should equally be in prayer when things are going well. Because those, we are no less um, affected by sin, no less tempted to sin when things are going well. Professor Jerem Bartz notes that we need to seek God in times of particular need, and he notes these as times of particular need. Marriage, birth of a child, leaving home for college or seminary or work, taking a new job, searching for a new position, any time of major transition. Um, Also, moments in which we face unusually powerful temptations, such as moments in ministry, business, or school, in which we must properly deal with success or else risk becoming proud and thinking we're self-sufficient. Times of special blessing, such as an ongoing growth of a church or a ministry or, or a, a work project, as well as those times in which we find ourselves acutely and uncomfortably aware of how miserably evil we are. And the inevitable times of grief and trouble that threaten to overwhelm us. Scripture encourages us to seek God when we are in times of particular need, when we are undertaking a new stage of service in God's kingdom, when we see our lives to be full of God's blessing, when when we are experiencing severe trials. In short, we should be seeking God all the time, but it's not always obvious. This isn't the head engagement. We don't necessarily see the need, and so our hearts need to be seeking God in everything. Scripture tells us to seek the kingdom of God first. All right. So we know to ask, we know to seek. Our last point, Jesus says we must knock. Looking back to the situation of our host, 
Look with me in, in verse 8. Jesus tells that though he will not get up, though the person in bed will not get up to give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And the key word in here, and one that isn't, the meaning isn't necessarily clear right off the bat, is impudence. What does impudence mean? Well, impudence, and perhaps in your Bibles you've got a subnote that says persistence. And I would say the, the literal translation of this Greek word is without shame. So maybe a fuller way or a fuller translation and way of reading this is, yet because of his shamelessness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And often, um, often we've, we've heard, at least I grew up hearing that, that you need to pray persistently. You need perseverance and asking time and time and time and time and time and time again because we need to nag God. I don't know if that's correct. Um, in fact, it wasn't until I was studying this passage of Scripture myself that this really came into mind. That really what he's saying here is he's saying to be acting out, to be praying shamelessly. Because we are acting out, we are asking God to do his will, and there is no need for shame to be praying that. And it's not that God won't answer us if we're embarrassed or we're scared, but we not. We don't need to be. We're told not to be ashamed of the gospel of God. Why? Because it's what everybody in this world needs. We are to carry out God's plan with unembarrassed boldness, because we know that man does not live by bread alone, but by the words of God. Each and every one of us of the people in this world need the forgiveness that Jesus realized on the cross. In society, we've been inundated a little bit with this Christian imagery and phrases for so long that the obvious need is starting to get overlooked, or has been. We try to fill that obvious need, the, the thirst that we have with what we've been conditioned to think we need. We think we need stuff consume, buy more things. More things will fill that need that we have. Or we need self-help programs. Or we need some type of new spirituality, new, new trend coming in, new practice, new meditation, new something. Or anything else that's been engineered by Satan, yes, Satan, to take the place of God in our lives. But what we need is the living water, the word of God that is the Holy Spirit. And this is the hands engagement. Our head recognizes an obvious need. And when it's not obvious, our heart goes and it seeks it out. In every situation, we are called to, to seek God first and let our hearts do that. And our hands are the ones that shamelessly act out the will of God in every situation so we can recognize the need and if we don't recognize the need or don't see a need then our hearts will seek it out for us because it's there and once we know it once we find it then we are called to knock when the door is closed knocking on doors that are currently shut because god promises answer he promises to answer us by opening up these doors and this causes a cycle we ask god for his will to be done and we seek his will in all parts of life and, and we act in accordance to his will and we begin to see all the things that are in need of Jesus, redemption and restoration. When his redemption, when Jesus' restoration, when things are brought back to where, how they're meant to be, how they were created to be, 
all of a sudden all the different areas that aren't in that same space become a whole lot more evident and that spiral up continues. Ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. Because shameless is a faith-led believer who is not halted by human fears, even when others cry, overdone. I'd say there's a number of, of situations in which um, it can be hard to want to knock, and there can be a whole lot of shame, a whole lot of fear, a whole lot of barriers to wanting to pray. I'm a pastor, and there are situations in which it's hard and it's awkward for me to say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? This isn't an easy thing to do, and it's not something that society really looks favorably upon. In fact, in response to many of the tragedies here going on in America, when, we, when Christians respond with praying for you, we get mocked. Because what does prayer do? Well, we know what prayer does. Prayer sends the Holy Spirit. And only he has the power to change anything. And to bring what we really need. And so when we see an obvious need for the Holy Spirit, ask. When the need is not so obvious and, and uh, not something that we would think to pray about, let our hearts seek out what it is. And when societal conventions and human fears say that the need shouldn't be addressed in this moment in prayer, um, keep that to yourself. Shamelessly knock anyways. Because we are doing and we are affecting and we are going out in the will of God, which is the thing that everybody needs. And we ask, we ask, we seek, we knock, and we experience the answer. We ask, we seek, we knock. Because God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And our world needs him. Amen. Would you guys pray with me? <clears throat> Dear Father, Father, when we ask when to pray, um, <laughs> we know the answer. We know that we should be praying. We should be talking to you always, Lord. Help us. You command us to do it, and you, and you promise that you will answer us and give your Holy Spirit. So please do. Uh, let us see it, and let us be moved, and let us be encouraged to pray, to ask, to seek, and to knock. And we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.